Hello and welcome to First Flight, a Star Trek Enterprise rewatch podcast where we are watching and discussing each episode of Enterprise in succession. First Flight is a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Network. This is Commander Tucker of Enterprise. We've got some information you're going to want to hear. Welcome, Enterprise fans. I'm your co-host, Abby. And I'm your co-host, Chris. Tonight, we're discussing Precious Cargo, the 11th episode of Season 2. Abby, uh, 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 you you read the script incorrectly? It's tonight (laughs) we are celebrating Precious Cargo. All right, redo, redo it. (laughs) Tonight, we are celebrating... (laughs) Precious Cargo, the 11th episode of season two. Precious Cargo had a teleplay by David A. Goodman with a story by Rick Berman and Brennan Braga. It was directed by favorite always David Livingston. It aired on December 11th, 2002. But before we begin our discussion, we need to issue a read alert. Tactical alert. All hands to stations. There are, as always, potential spoilers ahead, and we could end up talking about any part of the series at any time, so you have been warned. Okay, now for a summary of the episode, it's time for the Captain's Log. Let's go, Chris. Captain Starlog Supplemental. As we heard on previous episodes, from now until whenever I decide to stop, our uh, Captain's Logs will be in verse form. So, here we go. A poetic summary of Precious Cargo. There once was a crew on a quest to help a damsel in distress. Her pod was in trouble, and they had to redouble their efforts to save her, no less. Bravo, bravo. Now, I have to say, when I read this one in the script... I absolutely snort laughed. It's perfect. It is It is perfect, and I did not write it. It was generated by ChatGPT, which I figured oh was fair to do for a Star Trek podcast. This is like this experiment that I'm trying now, because I did a rabbit hole with ChatGPT. So um, did my husband recently. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what? I want to see what it does. We'll have to talk teacher about it too sometime because I asked you to write, give me a question ladder using Webb's depth of knowledge for Mm so-and-so poem. And I got 16 questions that were pretty decent in like 30 seconds. Wow. That's two hours of work. Yeah, it is. Now I could refine those questions, but anyway, ChatGPT did, I think a pretty good job with our, summary there and I, yeah I'm entertained to see kind of what comes out of this um as we go forward yeah i i say we give chat gpt all of our summaries for the next few episodes <laughs> until they don't make any sense at all it's just fun it is It's time to deploy our subspace amplifiers and to get into this episode. We will start, as always, with a quick chat about the cold open and then head into our pros and decons section. 
Each of us will share three of our favorite parts of the episode. And then if there are things that don't gel with us, that was for Noel right there. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> I know. We love you, Noel. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, go check out our Twitter. It is a fun place. So anyways, if there are things that don't gel with us, we'll have a discussion on any decans from the episode. You might hear a dog bark in this discussion if somebody's Porthos pick is mentioned, but we will still discuss them later on. Okay, I think it's, you know, it's about time for us to just talk about this particular episode. So as always, start we start with the cold open. So Abby, what are your thoughts about this cold open? Well... I had a few thoughts. First of all, when it first starts out with the harmonica, I just kind of always roll my eyes and go, oh man, you know, I know trips from the South, but that's one of the most stereotypical things. <laughs> At least it's not a jaw harp, you know, oh, once. Exactly. Like sometimes I feel like they just play into that a little much. But at yeah. the same time, my grandfather, who grew up in New York State, out right outside of Buffalo, played the harmonica beautifully. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's just one of those things. But I liked we got the cool ship shot from without of Enterprise. We get the cool ship shot out the window. And after I've watched this a couple times, I kept realizing, and I was just thinking, oh, Tripp's quarters are decorated. That's kind of cool. He has a giant brass scuba diving helmet in his quarters (laughs) on, like, his top of his bookshelf space. And you see it in the last shot as you get that, like, long pan out and the music swells. And I'm like, that seems like a really specific, really old-fashioned, really odd thing for a starship engineer to have in his quarters. But now I'm curious. And I'm I'm going to have my eyes open for it from now on. I didn't notice it, but he's from Florida, scuba diving, you know. Could be a thing he grew up doing, you know. But cool this piece. looks like one of those old metal ones from like, you know, the 1800s. Real old school, even for now. Oh, sure. So it's a cool little artifact from, you know, a time gone by. I, you know, there's a lot of Florida in this episode. And so I didn't notice the scuba head thing. I was my my mind was on something different, which I'll talk about in a moment. But um I I as a Floridian, I appreciated all the Florida in this episode. <laughs> all right. So what is the thing that you want to mention though that your eyes were focused on? Well, my ears first, like yours, my, my notes say harmonica. Wow. <laughs> um, is he playing his soul out? Like what's what's this pain, this internal pain he's playing out through this harmonica? Because I think blues <laughs> kind of with harmonica, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But then it hit me, Enterprise lately has been loving to do like untraditional Star Trek music in their teasers. Lots of piano and now harmonica. So, like, what's next? Are we gonna have just pure bassoon solo coming up? (laughs) Sousaphone, Glockenspiel solo. It's yeah. It's the episode that Flox learns about marching bands, and he just marches around (laughs) with a sousaphone wrapped around his chest. Oh man, the fact that Flax would love John Philip Sousa to like exercise to is now headcanon for me. Like, I can totally see that. Because it's all about smiles. I mean, you can't not yeah. be optimistic without John Philip Sousa. <laughs> it's 
It is Stars and Stripes Forever, sir, by John Philip Sousa, an American composer of band music in the early 20th century. Yes, yes, I know that. Computer, shut up the music. <laughs> the king of the march. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> the, but the, the, the big thing I wrote down was Trip is off duty. He's chilling, playing some music, his soul out. He's lounging, still in his one-piece uniform. <laughs> How is that comfortable? Come on. Come on. Get comfortable. You're off duty. So there you go. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I, as soon as you started, I was like, I know where he's going with this. And I <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> You're right. I, one of the first things I do when I'm off duty, so we can say, is put on way more comfortable clothes. Oh, maybe the uniforms on Enterprise are just that good. I came home today by by twelve o'clock from the school and immediately tore my tie off and everything and put on comfortable clothes like immediately and then went back to work. But that I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, that's all I have to say about the cold open. So shall we get into our pros? Yeah, let's get into it. All right, I'll start tonight. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about that I think is really neat is the look of the alien ship. Now, when they first walked on and you see all these like nets and ductwork and all this falling out, I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is like some sort of junky fisherman's basement. But <laughs> yeah. the more that you got. To... Yeah. But then when you see like, it, OK, it would make sense. This is a cargo ship. They need nets. They're actually holding stuff and they're holding stuff in place. Big, heavy stuff that needs to fly across space. So that made sense. And then you saw that they had jury rigged everything to hook up the stasis pod. And so then some of the like exposed ductwork and stuff made mm -hmm. sense. And mm -hmm. when they talk about how they don't have a lot of water and they can't take baths, the fact that it looked all kind of like dirty and grimy, it made sense. And the more I watched it and the more that I looked as at the aesthetic of that, I really liked it. And I thought it was interesting. At first, I'm like, okay, so they have this junky ship and they have this really nice escape pod. Really? They're going to have, it feels like if they were that cannibalizing their ship that much, why would they have been leaving pieces and supplies and everything in their escape pods? But then I'm thinking to myself, no, they're carrying a kidnapped, you know, royalty. Mm -hmm. They're going to have their escape pods ready to go just in case. And it, it all started clicking into place for me. So I just think that this design and the aesthetic of the both the pod and the ship itself were really well thought out, even if it took me a while to realize it. Yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful you chose this because this was a tough, <laughs> a tough cut for me. This ship... You know, I, I originally really liked the design of the exterior of the ship and that it's mostly cargo containers. Yeah. You know, we have that centerpiece that almost looks like um, like in Star Trek Picard Romulan phasers that has like the, the top oh, yeah. and the bottom yep. pieces and it's hollowed out in the center. Yep. And then you have the flanking cargo bays. And so most of the ship isn't habitable. Um, and so I, I just love that the interior man that is messy and so detailed and i think this goes back to our comments on the seventh about set design and set decoration yeah. they do a really great job creating these sets 
Whereas in in earlier editions of Star Trek, it wouldn't have been as detailed and and overwhelming. Like they overwhelmed the screen, right? And maybe that was yeah. just David Livingston like shooting it and framing it really well using some tricks, but great, fantastic pick. And yes, it makes sense to make sure your escape pod is pristine when you're in nefarious business <laughs> transactions. <laughs> I just I just love that this whole aspect of the story is what made me change my thinking the most over the episode. It was completely mm-hmm. unexpected for me. So it definitely had to be a pro. Great pro. Great way to start. All right. Well, let's start off with something else great, which I'm sure your first pro is. What have you got for us, Chris? Well, it's related, actually, um, <laughs> unintentionally, but we always <laughs> do that, I guess. Um I love when they, I'm skipping to when they are escaping. The ship's trying to get away, but we know that it can only go warp 2.2. And Enterprise is the famous warp 5 engine. And (laughs) Archer is so annoyed with them. And he's like, phase cannons. He's just, the way he says phase (laughs) cannons made me crack up. He's a phase cannons. Report, he hasn't gotten far at warp two, sir. Hail him. No response. Phase cannons, target his engines. Direct hit to the port nacelle. He's dropping out of warp. Bring us into grappling range. Hail him again. Captain. To Paul? Dilithium hydroxyls, ionized pyrosulfates. He's moving off. Stay with him. you took out one of his nacelles. So did I. Our warp drive won't engage. That cloud he released, it got into the plasma vents. They'll have to be purged. He's moving out of sensor range. I've lost him. (laughs) (laughs) So He's just annoyed that this is even happening, that these guys are just pulling this over him. Phase cannons. But then they really effectively like some highly creative maquis, pull a trick and get away with the, you know, the, the I'm going to get all the tech terms wrong, but whatever the cloud was that, um, allowed dilithium hydroxyls with ionized pyrosulfates, dilithium hydroxyls, ionized pyrosulfates. That is what it actually is. For some reason, those four words have stuck in my head for 20 plus years. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Dilithium hydroxyls ionized with ionized pyrosulfates. That's what they threw out there. I think it's a wonderful bit of technobabble. I'm speechless with with admiration. (laughs) I can't do it with a lot of things, but that one. Yeah. My throat is swelling with love for that statement. (laughs) 
Well, you know, when you have to pull something out, that's a good one to be able to pull out. It sounds impressive. And it was. I love that, too. That was my hardest cut. So I'm so glad that you put it out there (laughs) because I was like, you know what? I'm going to give that that particular phrase a little bonus porthos if if Mm. we don't doesn't come up. But Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I get to bring it up because it is a good plan. Like it worked. They got away. I mean, it it was a really good plan. It it made me feel like. I would see Balana pull that stunt or Tom or something yep. on Voyager to get away. Like, oh, I got this old yep. McTree- McKee trick. And Chakotay is like, oh, that one again. Um, th- <laughs> that's what it made me think. So, yeah. yeah. Great, great moment. And at this point in the episode, I'm like, all right. I mean, yeah, this is pretty good. Like, I, I, I was going in like, all right, precious cargo. Here we go. <laughs> Um, and I was, I was enjoying it. There's some, some stuff to really have fun with. So Abby, what's your next pro? All right. So my next pro is probably not a surprise to anybody is I really like the dinner scene. I like when we've got <laughs> Archer and Trip and DePaul. you're, you're laughing already because you know where I'm going here. I did not. It, it just hit me when you were saying that I knew where mm-hmm. you're going, but I didn't even pay attention to what was on their plates. Because uh, you knew I would. I can't believe it didn't occur to me to pay attention. <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry. I'm failing you. <laughs> no, you're totally, totally fine. Because of course I'm paying attention and freeze framing it and all of that good stuff <laughs> and looking for screen caps. Because I think Food and Enterprise is glorious. But not only did they have a good dinner, which, by the way, was a heap ton of breadsticks, which is good. I think, you know, bread is a common thread for everybody, no matter what you eat. Lemon iced tea for everyone except for T'Pol, who just had ice water. And then everyone but T'Pol had, like, meat, pasta, red sauce. Mm. And she's got her sad plate of veggies, which, unfortunately, has still not gotten any carbs or protein. It is literally raw vegetables and slices of raw lemon. But <laughs> maybe it's T'Pol's thing. Because it seems to be the constant of what they give her. (laughs) But on top of the fact that I got glorious food scene here, I really enjoyed the caginess of this scene. Because you can tell that they're all still trying to play this off as this is friendly and fine. And maybe it is, but probably it's not. And we know these guys are pretty sketch. And then it gets even more sketchy. And it's just... It's just interesting. I We've talked about how Archer weaponizes his politeness in the past, but this wasn't weaponized, but it was very focused. It was like targeted politeness because it was it was digging at the same time. And I just I think it shows the nuances of him as a captain, because I'm not sure that his alarm bells would have sounded as loudly had this been last season. Mm. Problem? Stasis pod. What about it? It's malfunctioning. If you'll excuse me, Captain. I'll show you to the document. I know the way. Yes? There's a minor problem. I'm going to need your assistance. What kind of problem? The malfunction is more complicated than I expected. I'll be there in a moment. I don't mean to be rude. Not at all. Archer to Commander Tucker. Trip, can you hear me? Archer to Lieutenant Reed. 
Mr. Plin. That's right. Lieutenant Reed, the captain asked me to escort you back to your ship. That won't be necessary. I'm afraid I'm under orders. Have I done something wrong? It's just a precaution. Never realized leaving the captain's table would cause so much concern. I don't know. I just didn't have much to say about that scene. <laughs> but I'm still just taken aback that I didn't pay attention to the food. <laughs> I I like I like the awkward dynamic between them two and that the guy that's left behind, Plin, is trying to play like mm -hmm. dumb, like, oh, nothing's going on. And then he has to get out of there. And he, you know, I, I wish I wish Archer caught on sooner. Like I have yeah. to believe he picked up on this because when Archer's in the ready room earlier with the main guy, there's a you know a, a zoom in on his face as they're walking out, and he's like, uh, you know, you you can tell he's <laughs> yeah. like something's off about this guy, you know, because he's offering, oh, you want to dock at our shuttle pod, and we'll bring you there in half the time, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So. I wish security was a little more informed and, and amped up there. Um, but it was a fun just moment where they're trying to make it work out. Like Archer and crew want to have good interactions with aliens. They meet. Yes. Like that's why they're yes. here. And it, it doesn't work most of the time, but that's why they're here. <laughs> and I give them credit for trying. Yeah. I mean, they're still so, hopeful and that's that's such a nice thing even when things get darker for the series that that hope just mm. always shines through and i like i like that scene here like i really don't think this is what i want it to be but i'm gonna hope it is yes yes all right so what's your second pro then chris well my second pro is trip's memory of his car in the gulf of mexico it's beautiful. It you know it's, it's basically summertime here for us in Florida, and you know, but the weather is not too hot, so it's beautiful time to go to the to the golf and spend time at the beach. There is an issue though because Trip calls it going to the shore, and that's not what we call it in Florida. It's the beach. I grew up in New Jersey, where it's called you know we go down the shore, but in Florida it's the beach. So uh, that's L.A. writers, I guess, getting that wrong. But I just love those memories. Uh, Connor Trenier sells it really well. Uh, he transports you for a moment. And again, this is those little details that really keeps Enterprise down to earth and utilizing its prequel status, being closer to our time than Picard was. And so I love whenever they do those down-to-earth memories of Earth in a realistic way. Reminds me of my first car. Car? A four-wheel vehicle. It wasn't much bigger than this. All we're missing is the ocean breeze coming off the Gulf. I used to drive out to a place called Chatkin Point. Park along the shoreline and... Uh, Stare at the moon with my girlfriend. We've always said that the trip is the heart of Enterprise. And it's mm -hmm. little moments like this that, and they write them for him often enough. And he sells them well enough that you believe 
that these are genuine little moments and little thoughts that would cross through his head. And you believe that he really does love Florida and that pan fried catfish and his <laughs> harmonica and all that stuff, which is why we still love trip, even though a lot of these things could fall into, you know, stereotypical boxes. And I also love the realism of enterprise. I like how you can see that it's either a few generations past where we were 20 years ago or <laughs> sometimes still a few generations past where we are today depending which way you take that split but it is that realism and we've talked about that with like you know suitcases and ev suits and and coats just like all these Baseball little hats. things that they have to yeah exactly that they have to think about where do they get all the fresh produce like they must have just yeah but the realism is is really mm -hmm. is a nice part of enterprise and i don't think you can find anyone who really sells that more than trip yeah so the second half of this pro is when he mentions uh they're back on the planet not back on the planet they're in the swamp planet he says mm -hmm. beats a summer in the everglades no mosquitoes <laughs> and i'm like yeah mosquitoes uh right now we're, we don't have mosquitoes right now but it's love bug season um mm. which is terrible but then it occurred to me like so everyone in Florida just knows every part of Florida. <laughs> I've never been to the Everglades. <laughs> yeah, I might not ever. I don't know. Florida is pretty huge. Like it's very long. It takes, you know, six or so hours, maybe more, seven hours to go from tip to tip. So it's not like you will go to every part of Florida. So again, is that cliche? You know, the writers just, oh, well, that's a place in Florida I know. <laughs> you know, Everglades and mosquitoes, but yeah. yeah, I I I I've appreciated, like I said, all the Florida in this episode, and so that's really what this pro is about. That's really sweet and heartwarming. That you know you're finding your your home in Star Trek in a new way here with Florida. Bonus pro, in the last generation, they're going to decide between an alien planet. And Orlando. And Orlando. And I yeah. was like, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Disney That's... still there in the 25th century? Oh, God. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, Ooh. man. With holograms of characters walking around, yeah. interacting. I wonder if anyway. it's still the most magical place on Earth. Yeah, what does magic look like to that age? <laughs> All right. Well, what is your next pro? All right. So my third one here is, and this is one that I, I, I don't pull out all the time, but I really appreciated the sound editing in the fight scene at the end down on the planet with the splashing and the mm. crashing. And, and I was listening to it um, on headphones, on noise-canceling headphones one of the, my times through, and I felt like I was there. Like, mm. a lot of times with these older things, you don't get the same kind of sound that you get in the more modern Star Trek or the more modern movies, any of that kind of thing, because it wasn't designed that way. But something about this scene, it was so immersive. And I actually went back and listened to it again, both on my headphones and not on my headphones, to see if it felt the same way. And while it wasn't as good, without headphones it was still good and i was like this really feels because you hear the animals the splashes the the grunting the yell like all of those pieces and it, it made it a better scene because i don't think the fight itself is particularly fantastic but the mm -hmm. sound of it is really well done i 100 percent agree and this was a tough cut too i really felt trip's 
punches. Yeah. Like, and he looked like a boxer and his hits landed and there was a good thud to them. Now it didn't really have an effect on the guy, but <laughs> I, that really stood out. And, and often fight scenes in Star Trek are just, it's not its thing. They're not. It's Kirk really, Fu. Yeah. It's not really good. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I love, I'm obsessed with a good Riker palm punch, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's stupid, but I love it. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was like looking, did, it, did he palm punch a Borg? Oh, no, I don't know if he did. Um, I don't think that would have been perfection. He needed to, but, yeah. um, no palm punching here. Those were solid punches by trip. So I appreciated that in the sound design. You're totally right. Contributed to that being really effective. All right. So that brings us to your third pro. What else did you love in this one? So this is the Star Trek moment for me. Usually I put that in my Porthos pick. So um, yeah, changing it up a little bit. It's a small moment and it's in a small space. It's in the escape pod <laughs> where they're crammed together. And well, Trip is like talking to um, Kaitama, something like that. Um, and... You know, she's like, he's like talking about his car and how he would take his dates to the golf. And he's then he's like, don't worry, I'm not going to hit on you. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that moment for Trip. Like, oh, you know, like, I'm not getting, that's not what I'm here about. And part of me is like, yeah, and he, duh, because he's annoyed with her too. <laughs> yeah. But then we realize she is isolated and alone because of her position. And Trip says, sounds lonely. Yeah. It's a small line, but Connor really delivers it well. He's charismaing. He has so <laughs> much charisma in this whole episode. He's doing <laughs> charisma the heck out of it. But that's the Star Trek moment because it, there wasn't much message in this. But it's about finding the ability for empathy, even when you're annoyed, when you're in the close quarters, when they're frustrating, you, he's still taking the time to dig and find the way to find empathy and then express it. Don't worry. I won't make a pass at you. The sovereign guard would cut off one of your hands. Ah, oh, you must be a fun date. The first monarch doesn't socialize with the opposite sex. You've never been on a date? Four years ago, before I was selected to ascend to First Monarch, I was courted by young men from many noble families. Now I spend my personal time in the company of my father's advisors. Sounds kind of lonely. You haven't finished your work. Yeah, you know, I... I have very similar thoughts on this, and we might need like half a dog bark here because that kind of overlaps my Porthos that will come up later. So I will uh, let us insert some sort of one bark Porthos here, and <laughs> I'll just comment on that particular line of sounds lonely sounds because lonely. that always stands out for me too. Like, mm -hmm. and you can see his whole body language with that, mm -hmm. and then the after when she tells him you haven't finished your work and he just kind of takes a breath and does that slow nod and like 
he knows that he was right and she knows he knows that she was right like like they they both know yeah and they're both acknowledging that we're just not doing that right now and that is one of the first moments where you see them actually connect even though they're connecting over not talking about something yeah and you know last episode um in our bonus you know extended um, button after our usual close with the moment of melanie and if you aren't listening to that guys you always <laughs> listen after our moment of melanie because i mean we put some silly <laughs> stuff on there um, but in in our last episode um where we talked about this actress and i hadn't seen this in probably decades so we were talking about how she wasn't the best actress and she moved on to be a an amazing TV cook, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't find her too unwatchable. You know, it's fine, pedestrian. But this moment really made it story-wise understandable why she might be socially awkward as a character and stiff. Because yeah. she doesn't interact with people. And so that, that moment humanizes her in a really important way and um that's why it's my final pro and my star trek moment nice i'm sure we'll talk more about her in a few minutes so let's move on to the decons i have a feeling we've got a little bit of a list today so these are the parts of the episodes that just don't gel with us chris let's start with you what do you got this time I only have, oh, let me see, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, <laughs> I'm scrolling, oh. um, no, I <laughs> I did have quite a few, but I also did, I do have like eight secondary systems of positive too, which I'm not going to read, but so we're pretty balanced on this one. So I do have four decons okay. and the first one says, I'm just going to read the note. Of course, she has to tear fabric off her dress. <laughs> All in caps, legs in frame on the escape pod. Oh, my God. Yes. And they were gorgeous legs. I mean, I can't deny it. But it was just like telegraphed and perfectly, you know, you knew exactly what was happening there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, rolled my eyes there. Well, in an dress that you know she's not wearing a bra again, like... There's no way. There's there's no possible way to do that. And oh, I didn't even think. I didn't even notice that. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, I got one later. That okay. I got one later. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, this one really bothered me. The story, the premise of the story, is around the cliche of the bratty girl being taught manners by a man. Uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like I referenced in our last episode's button, like this reminds me of Elan of Troyes. I think that's the episode. Yeah, and I, I just hate that episode because of that dynamic with Kurt teaching her manners and all that kind of stuff. So, just not something I want to see. I, I don't know. Changes to be a, a, a prince or something, and then we got a maybe a, a different way to talk about this kind of story but yeah yeah that's my second it one it's not right. my favorite trope we'll put it that way no and it can't yeah so number three um <laughs> i don't know i'll save this one for you 
You know what I'm gonna about to say with that one, so I'll save it for you. Oh, oh. I'll talk about it later. Um, so my last one. Um, no chemistry between the actors to justify the eventual sex. Yeah. <laughs> None. At all. I mean, he's got all he he's a chemistry set all himself, but yes. she <laughs> she's done. So um that's the end of my my decons. What are yours? It leads me into my first one because I realized after watching this a few times through that this reminded me a lot of like the first two Star Wars prequels where you had oh, the terrible stiff romance and the dialogue that you just want to be like, really? <laughs> and I feel like, yes, Connor is just glowing with every bit he can throw into this, but it is not enough. And there is not enough charisma in the universe for some of the horrible dialogue. And even if Padma had been... That's, that's the actress, Padma Lakshmi, sorry. I, I enjoy her as a chef a great deal. But even if she had been a fantastic actress, that dialogue still sucks. So, like, it... And if you look back into the history of it, there's, there's a lot of... They said there were a lot of rewrites with this. There was a lot of changes mm. and that there were different versions of it. And they said that, you know, they talked about leaning in the direction of it could have been, like, these bad guys were really dangerous and they're kidnappers and there's terse action and chases. And it's like one of those kind of movies where the romance is secondary to the fact that these guys are trying to kidnap her and sell her off for ransom. Mm. Or it should have been like a total romantic screwball comedy. And that could have worked too. And it tried to straddle the middle kind of, and it just, it didn't really hit anything then because i feel like you could when you know that and you go back and look you can see the shadow of both of some of those ideas but it just never came together so wow what you just said like just blows my mind like i i can see this intense action thriller one yeah age this character make her a little girl and we know connor yeah. is great with little kids and you yeah. have a better story automatically oh, yeah. 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 I, I think that this this had the bones to be something much better than what it ended up being. And one of the reasons, which I am 100% sure that you were referring to, was <laughs> the fact that they used the stupid cornball, like, bad 70s soap opera music that the same one from the night in sick bay when they were having like the sexy dream scene now we're you know ooh, we're gonna have the kissing face eating scene in the river and we're gonna play up that stupid music again and it just doesn't fit it doesn't feel right it doesn't make I mean, it better it it fits yeah <laughs> it fits well what they're okay going for. but it, it it just it does not make me feel invested in this. It makes me sigh and roll my eyes. And it made me sigh and roll my eyes the very first time it was on. So this is not just my age or the fact that this was 20 years ago. This this was just lame. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have to push against you. It didn't make me sigh and roll my eyes. It made me burst out into laughter. Because <laughs> oh, I, I had to text you my note that I wrote down, <laughs> which was I immediately wrote down, yeah. Abby's favorite sexy time music from A Night in Sick Bay returns as they kiss by the water. Ugh. And then it made me think about my 11th grade. That scene made me think about my 11th grade English teacher who for some reason wanted to teach us that whenever there's 
running water in literature or film at the end of a scene that means sex is about to happen <laughs> and, and ever since then it's proven true almost every time every movie every tv show when like the scene's about to cut and but there's running water at the end of the scene or at the beginning of the scene someone just had sex and interesting it, it is crazy that my 11th grade teacher decided to drop that um, pop culture um insight on us <laughs> that's funny that's really funny i'm gonna have to watch for that now yep but it, it you happens. know as far as i'm con- as far as i'm concerned here that music i and i am a star trek music aficionado i love it it's it's what's on my earbuds if it's not a podcast it's star trek music 90 percent of the time right that can just be done. Like, I, I don't know if this is the season two sexy time enterprise music that I'm never <laughs> not going to notice now, but I, I'm over it. It is. Oh. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> it takes me out of the episode completely. And that's not what I want my Star Trek music to do. I can't I can't wait to get to home <laughs> and find that this music echoing across the mountain. Um, <laughs> because I now absolutely love this theme. <laughs> and because it makes me think of you and it makes me laugh. Oh, and well, thank you. As I showed you, I, I sent you a screen, uh, pictures of my CDs, collections of Enterprise. Yes. And I'm like, I, why is this not on any of my collections? I probably have like a hundred tracks of Enterprise music. Not a one has this. <laughs> this is a crime against music lovers. So <laughs> I need my lover music theme from Enterprise, please. Um, but let's stop talking about it now. <laughs> what are, do you have more? I've got two more quick things and both of them about costumes. First of all, I'm sorry. If you're supposed to be sneaky kidnapper bad guys, why are you wearing costumes that squeak every time you move? Like, <laughs> it, they are distractingly squeaky. So maybe that means that it's genuine leather or whatever that is in their culture, but... I'm sorry, you're not sneaking up on anybody in that outfit. So I don't know how they kidnapped her, but it definitely wasn't like sneaking because that just bugged me. All right, here's the big one, though, where I told you she was definitely not wearing a bra. Okay, so she was not wearing a bra underneath that dress. And I think we're all pretty certain she wasn't wearing like any type of slip or undergarment that has you know, shoulder straps on it because we would have seen them because her bare shoulders and a lot of her back and chest were in that dress, right? Yeah. When they wake up, when they wake up after their their flowing water moment, she's wearing a little like nighty. It's kind of bronzy green. It has shoulder straps. You can very clearly see that she's chilly. Um, and where did it come from? Do not tell me she was wearing that under that dress because she wasn't. Do not tell me that she was kidnapped with a spare pair of <laughs> lingerie just hanging out in a non-existent handbag. Like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? And it's only that one scene. By the time they've set up the decoy for, you know, when they the homing beacon goes up, she's back in the purple thing. It is only in that one scene. I freeze-framed it. I'm like, maybe it's just the dress and it's still wet. Maybe it's mud. No, it's a completely different thing. Where did it come from? The um, mystery nighty. No, I mean, it's pretty obvious where it came from. That's your backup escape pod nighty. <laughs> they store that in there. 
Well, I can totally see the kidnappers having a thing for bronze yeah. silk, but I mean, it would go with their squeaky leather, wouldn't it? Oh, this is taking a dark turn. Uh, yeah, I I didn't even think about all of that at all. Um, <laughs> not at all. But yeah, that I'm looking at Trekcore pictures now. I'm like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, you got it. She took the time to actually change. Uh-huh. Because I I didn't even pay attention. I thought she still had... I was like, oh, of course, Trip is in his underwear, but she still has her dress on fully. So what's going on right. here? No. Um, but it's a different thing. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> it, it just, again, one of those things I'm never going to not see now. And did I go back like three or four times the first time I noticed that and check? And I'm like, maybe I'm just... Seeing, no, nope. Did I scan the same truck or screen caps? Sure did. I mean, it's it's not unattractive. It's just wasn't there. It's magic. Yeah. Well, you know what else is magical? You and you're looking at these screenshots. Just reminded me of that line where she says, "Take off your uniform." And I'm just like, of course, he's bleeding, and she has to treat his wound. And then it makes me uh -huh. think of Seven with Harry Kim and that whole <laughs> silliness. Um. So yeah. This whole thing with the costumes. I mean, they, they couldn't help themselves. That's what the episode became. Mm -hmm. It could have been so much more. But after that, the mysterious Nighty Jammies. Let's bring it back to some positives. I think I hear a dog fully barking. So that means we've come to the time where we discuss our favorite parts of the episode, our Porthos picks, and... As I said, mine was half mentioned already. I'll expand a bit more here. And I don't think we've heard Chris's. So, Chris, I'm super curious. If it wasn't the Star Trek moment, what's your Porthos pick? It's a moment that as I was watching this scene, I was like, is this really, ha is this happening? Yes, this is happening. Oh, this is beautiful. This is so funny. And it's the scene where... I call it the Archer Tribunal Bluff. And <laughs> Winter Paul comes in with the full robes and she's playing along and he's playing oh, yeah. subservient to her. And she's asking this guy about his measurements and his weight. And it's amazing. Do you, does your culture have any postmortem traditions? I mean, and the guy's like, this isn't fair. Like, it, this is total comedy in this moment. And it's a moment that could only happen at this point in the Archer to Paul relationship. This is not happening in season one. Uh -uh. It's not happening in season three either. Well, no, there's no so, time for yeah. that. <laughs> no, no time for jokes in season three. But then I just love as she exits, they bow. And yes. I just cracked up. The prisoner, sir, as ordered. Thank you. Will there be anything else, Captain? Not right now, Lieutenant. Dismissed. Have a seat. Why have I been brought here? Sit down. Starfleet, ask the Vulcan High Command to assign a judicial administrator to Enterprise 
Someone who wouldn't be swayed by human emotion. Someone objective, logical. From what I understand, Subcommander T'Pol has already reviewed the evidence. This tribunal is nothing more than a formality. I thought you should be prepared. Her punishments can be severe. How severe? If you're late for your shift, you might receive a beating. But for more grievous offenses, dereliction of duty, conduct unbecoming an officer. We started out with 83 crewmen on board. We're down to 76. But I haven't done anything wrong. Accessory to kidnapping, resisting arrest, obstruction of an investigation, causing damage to a Starfleet vessel. What damage? When your partner fled, he released a cloud of dilithium hydroxyls that clogged our plasma vents. I had nothing to do with that. As I said, I'm not the one you have to convince. Subcommander. Has the accused been informed of the charges? Yes, ma'am. How much do you weigh? What? Your weight. 72 kilograms. Height? 1.8 meters. Why are you asking these questions? Does your culture observe any post-mortem rituals? This is not fair. I demand to speak with someone from my government. He's got a point. We've never tried an alien before. Maybe we should contact the High Command. They've granted me complete autonomy in these matters. If I had to consult my superiors every time I made a ruling, it would defeat my purpose here. We'll convene at 1800 hours. As you wish. So this is my favorite scene in this um, episode. It's not the Star Trek moment, but it's a funny moment with T'Pol and Archer. And I can just imagine Scott and um, <laughs> and just Jolene. all, thank you, Scott and Jolene mm -hmm. just having so much fun with this one. Yeah, you know, and what I really liked is that the lighting was so different. All the furniture was gone in the room except for that table and that one chair. Like, they played this up. And this is where it makes me think, too. They they had the scene where they were grilling Krill a little bit more. And it was, you know, they we were going to put him in the airlock with the guard and all that. But to Paul, I don't believe she says more than just a couple words in that scene. So I wonder if they weren't already saying, hey, if we have to play this, why don't you just do this, that? And I I wish I could have seen the scene where Archer came in and goes, okay, here's the plan to Paul. We're going to do this. <laughs> and she's just like, you can see the face, like the one eyebrow and the, really? But she went along with it because she trusts him and she knows him enough. And I think, you know, secretly she might have enjoyed it. I, I imagine that um, Archer is like contemplating, you know, standing at the airlock, frustrated, can't get anything out of this guy. And he's like, what do we do? Like, you know, he's wrestling. What? How are we going to get information out of him? And T'Pol just walks up and says, 
subterfuge. Or just does that whole line <laughs> oh. from Valeris, like, ah, uh, oh, that yeah. would have been amazing. But she goes into the whole factory, you know, thing. But anyway, yeah, it was a great scene. And I want to imagine that they were equal partners in planning this, this good cop, bad cop routine. I wonder if Malcolm was in on it. I mean, he must have seen her come in and out with the ropes. They were outside the door. So oh, I, yeah, yeah. I would like to have seen him ask it like, how'd it go? Like that, that would have been a fun breakfast to be at the next morning. They fist bump on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. All right. Um, so. We got half of yours, but can we complete your Porthos pick? Because I like complete yeah. whole dogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the top or the bottom is just messy, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so as I was saying before, I really, I also enjoyed that scene where they were bonding in the escape pod. And one of the things that it really made me think was how we see this parallel in that that callback to shuttle pod one when he and Malcolm were stuck in the small space, not quite mm. as small, but still <laughs> in a small space. And oh, I got babies. Hold on one second. We'll return in a moment as Abby says goodnight to her own precious cargo. saying i like how it goes back it's that light serialization that we were talking about it goes back to shuttle pod one when he and malcolm were in that small space together where they had to bond and it took them a whole lot longer and you can almost see trip here i mean he flat out says you know this is going to be a lot easier if we're we stop snipping at each other mm. can we just try i'm gonna try he throws that out there so much quicker and you can almost see him like taking a breath and going, God, you know, if it worked for me and Malcolm and look at where we are now, let's try it with this lady. And I think that's where he's, he's trying to generate empathy. He's trying to make these connections. You can see him actually thinking it through and going, yep, I'm going to do X, X and X because I've had this experience and look what worked. Let's see if it'll work again. And I just, I think that's a neat piece of character development for Trip because he reacted so differently this time because of what he'd been through. A really good point. And this is honestly a really decent trip episode. Like it's not one I want to watch a lot, but there's not a criticism about trip and how he handles much, much of anything in my mind. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he sleeps with, with this woman, but I mean, it happened. But other than that, like it, it presents the trip character as a, as a good character that you could look up to and relate with. Yeah. And I think that's, that's part of the reason that we get so much trip in this because he really is us in a lot of the situations and it, he makes it easy to see where his growth comes from. And that's not how it always works in real life. So it's nice to see that in, in someone that you feel connected with in a show. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like it's really, it's really true to my experience that when you're in a swamp in the middle of nowhere, dirty, <laughs> grimy, it's humid, um, you just crash landed, you're really in the mood. You're really in the mood. 
Oh, uh, yeah. And after walking through a swamp, <laughs> carrying your high heels. Yeah. yeah. It, it really, really gets you going. Yeah. So mosquitoes are not accessing library computer data. All right. Here on First Flight, we love trivia and all of the behind the scenes tidbits. So for each episode, we pick a few and share them out. So I'm going to start tonight. And tonight, I am going to pick up on this thread that I immediately started thinking about once we see, um, I almost called her Kamala in the pod. (laughs) (laughs) I almost said it. That's funny. Um, This is a clear connection to the TNG episode, The Perfect Mate, um, because there's some similarities I'm going to call out. Because both Kamala and Kaitama are from the planet Krios Prime. And both characters are central to the plot. So there's my trivia connection. It's hard to watch this one and not think of that one for sure. Yeah, and and it's hard to watch this one and not compare it to that one and realize that one's done better. Yeah, yes. I mean, that one has problems too, but that one's done better. Correct. All right. Well, I only have one short trivia for tonight, too, and that is that we see T'Pol wearing her full Vulcan robes, as we mentioned, during the tribunal. And that's the first time that we had seen her in the full robes in since Broken Bow, since the beginning of Enterprise, which we've seen her with parts of it on, you know, especially like kind of like the stole or the scarf part that goes with it. But this is the first time she's fully wearing it. So it's it's nice to see. And you know what? Still a beautiful woman in robes as much as she is in the catsuit. Yeah, those robes are just one of the best design features of Enterprise. Um, I'll never get tired of them. And yes, more Vulcan robes on to Paul. More Vulcan costuming in general. It's always hits my sweet spot for design. Absolutely. Now it's come to the time for our final thoughts and grappler ratings. And I think we have found a great deal of positive in this, but we have also mentioned a great deal of struggle. So, Chris, on a scale of 1 to 10 grapplers, how do you rate Precious Cargo? I'm questioning my score now because I had a lot of fun talking about things and (laughs) realizing it's a pretty decent trip episode. Um, Some good starship action, great set design funny scene with archer and t'pol but it's the it's it's a 5.5 um it's meh yeah we are on a similar vein tonight i i feel all the things you said and i I just this one (laughs) if anyone listened yeah to our last button and i was like we're gonna celebrate precious cargo like i (laughs) there are just too many moments of this episode for me that make me either go or roll my eyes or just kind of shake my head and it's, it is not awful. It is not TNG Code of Honor. No. It's just, ugh. You know, it's it's kind of meh again. And it could have it could have been so much more, especially knowing that they thought of two different ways to spin it. So mm-hmm. this one gets just a flat out five for me today. Fair. Like, it, I didn't leave frustrated like I did with um, Vanishing Point, which was, I think if that reveal... If it if it wasn't all fake, would have been much stronger um yeah. score. Um so 
this isn't as good as the good the the fake parts in that episode but it, it isn't terrible um it's just kind of like oh you know what this episode is by the you know how it's going to end and that's what you actually told me yes. before i watched it you're like oh like 15 minutes <laughs> in you're going to know exactly how it ends and i'm like abby was right <laughs> yeah well you know you've seen this story a hundred times before and i i always try to think if I had not seen this story a hundred times before, would I have been wowed? Like a lot of people say that about young adult literature. Oh, it's so derivative. Well, not if this is the first time you're encountering something, but I feel like with this one, if it was the first time I'd encountered this story, this trope, I still would have been like, eh. like it's, it, it, it's just meh all around. Yeah, definitely. I mean, people could say that about superhero movies, but it's, it's if the character is unique, even though it's in a similar kind of situation, you know, that a lot of them follow, um, that's what can get you through it. And so I think Trip did get us through this. Connor Trenier, it deserves a, a, a golden Porthos or something for, for this episode because he really made it watchable for me. Every moment he's on screen, which is often, I was enjoying seeing him fix things, pull levers, reach, be annoyed, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he did yeah. a great job. Before they started escaping, I didn't mind his snark. Like I really, yeah. I actually liked when she was like, are all, you know, people in your species this annoying? And he's like, nope, only me. Like that's what I would be saying in my head sarcastically. <laughs> it just, when it takes that that little, the, the tropey turn, I guess, is is where it just kind of becomes meh for me. Okay, Abby. So before we totally wrap this up, let's go through a quick recap of our pros for Precious Cargo. It's our last chance to celebrate it. And and let's, because we really did find some good stuff in here. So we have my first pro, which was the ship and pod design from the kidnapping aliens. Very cool and very consistent. Made the episode better for me. Uh, my number two was that dinner scene and all the food, plus that that tension and that politeness that Archer can use so well to get what he needs. My number three was the sound editing in that final fight and how amazing it sounds, especially on headphones. And my Porthos pick was Trip connecting back to his time on Shuttlepod 1 with Malcolm and actively trying to find a way to work together in this small space because of what he'd been through before. So how about you, Chris? Run us down one last time. All right. Well, my first pro is Archer's annoyed face cannons line <laughs> as he's trying to stop the bad guys and the bad guys get away with a clever little monkey-like trick. My second trip is... My second trip, my second pick is Trip's uh, memory lane of driving his car to the shore, no, to the beach, and all the references to Florida. My third pick is his ability to find empathy in this woman who is obviously leading a very lonely life. And then my Porthos pick is Arbiter's Tribunal Bluff with the delightful good guy, bad guy, cop routine with him and T'Pol. It's a good list. Some good moments. My chronometer is running backwards, sir. Incoming transmission.
You read my letter. We want to remind you that we adore getting feedback and thoughts from you, the listeners, as we hope you could tell from our last mailbag episode. We had so much fun sharing and discussing your insights and ideas. And we have a lot of chats on social media with so many of you, and we're collecting again for our next mailbag episode. So this is your call for any grappler ratings, Porthos picks, or just general comments about carrot balls, food, clothing, midriffs, <laughs> you know, all those things. Um, and we will include those in our mailbag episode because you know what? You guys made that really fun. Yeah, that was so much fun to go back and revisit. And as you can tell from all the laughing, and if you do listen to our little buttons after the moment of Melanie, we have so much fun doing this. And so much of that comes from you guys. So please, please do reach out and share any thoughts or smiles or jokes or carrot ball recipes that you have for us. And you could reach us at First Flight Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we're also on YouTube under the Tricorder Transmissions Network channel. You can reach me personally on Twitter at Abby M. Summer. That's S-O-M-M-E-R. And Chris, what's the best place to reach you? The best place to reach me is on Twitter at Shelf Nerds or on my YouTube channel, Completing the Shelf. We want to thank you so much for spending this time with us and putting up with all of our giggles. We'll be back next time with The Catwalk, the 12th episode of Season 2. And as always, we leave you with this quote from Captain Jonathan Archer and your moment of Melanie. The most profound discoveries are not necessarily beyond that next star. They're within us woven into the threads that bind us, all, all of us, to, to each, each other. other. All right, all right, let's do this thing. Let's At some do point, it. my daughters will come in and give me kisses, but they were still frosting cupcakes for the woman who fell down the elevator shaft because she's finally home from the hospital today. And so we made cupcakes to bring her tomorrow. And uh, they were still frosting when I came up here, so... We'll, see well how those going. are your actual precious cargo. They are. <laughs> yeah. Little sweeties. They, most of the time, except when they're playing big Klingon. And oh man, my little Lila has the <laughs> hardest forehead. She'll come right up to you and growl and like press her forehead and go, big Klingon. And you're like, oh my God, you have the hardest head child. You didn't show her that scene in the chase, did you? <laughs> no, she has not seen that one. <laughs> okay. She has not seen that one. <laughs> that's funny i love that scene i love that scene one of my favorite one-off klingons right there uh it's an extraordinary episode really i mean huh it should have been a two-parter yeah jim's right i it should be yeah. a movie um yeah i purposely don't watch it in, a lot because i want it to be that magic new. Still. yeah 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 so uh, all right Right. Let's we're doing this. Do it. We're doing it. And we're doing it. And it's not super late. It's not know, super late. Yeah. Like oh, it's not we can talk about food now. No, no. <laughs> because you could still have a snack. Oh, let me tell you about food. It's gonna yes. end up in my next shawl. Retail Star Trek. Because I just did it myself. I think my inner shawl came out. Um, uh -oh. At least the shawl in my head. <laughs> that was experimental food. 
Um, so my wife made these chocolate muffins and she's at a woman's Bible study tonight. And the kids' behavior was perfect for me. Aww. And so I got these muffins out and I cored them, filled them to the top with chocolate syrup. Oh. And then used the chocolate chocolate syrup to make flower petals around the top of Ugh. that, covered that with uh, cacao nibs, and then did oh. chocolate designs on the plate, on the white plate, and then layered a thin slice of <laughs> strawberry on top. And he did it all up wow. for about 18 seconds. <laughs> and so I'm like, I take a picture. I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. I was just going to say, I hope you took a picture. Oh, yes. Um, so I took it over to the kids and put it in front of them. And my daughter goes, I don't want strawberries. I had strawberries for breakfast and for lunch. <laughs> I'm just like, you'll eat it and you'll like it. Humbled right there. And then the, then they're like, oh my gosh, dad, that was the best thing ever. Can uh -huh. we have it tomorrow? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make one for myself right now. <laughs> that's so, funny. That's my it's great thing. when they start to get their palates back though because you know they always go through that i only eat five things phase and that's where my little one is right now and my older one like tonight she realized she like brussels sprouts because we love brussels sprouts and she's like i think i'm ready to try that this is delicious i know <laughs> it's so much fun yeah that's been my marriage with my wife because i was a very picky eater and she'll try things i'm like danielle i'm not ready right now to try this <laughs> I'm not against trying it just right now. And I'm, I'm not feeling it. And then I will try it later. I'm like, why have I missed this my entire <laughs> life? All right. Uh, Kaitima. Kaitama. Kaitama. She only says it once and nobody refers to her by it the rest of the time. Yeah, I have, I have a like, comment about her name that, well, I guess I'll say it now. <laughs> when she said her name, she had this weird pause in the syllables, Kai Tama. I'm like, of course, this lady is called the Kai. Of course. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely say that. And then I looked it up. I'm like, no, it's not Kai separate. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's an aggravating name, though, that's for sure. I love the catwalk. I love it. I love the catwalk, too. Finally, we're in a really good one. Well, and you know, I was looking when I was um, scrolling through Paramount Plus to replay this one because it always wants to take me right to the next one when I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I got to watch this one like four times, guys. <laughs> um, but there's a thumbnail of Trip for like four episodes in a row, which is just really interesting because it's this kind of middle of season two and mm -hmm. he's getting all the thumbnails like Dawn is coming up. That's a big one for him, mm -hmm. too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's interesting that we've had so much trip in the middle here. Yes, and, and you, <laughs> you just reminded me to look at thumbnails for you know upcoming our 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 show artwork 
and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, I think I got to start making some more. And <laughs> I pull up the one for Pre- Precious Cargo, and it's the it's the shot of him. And in my secondary system, I wrote it. Um, this is. Uh, whoa, whoa. Oh, it's the trip. I got some smile at the end. <laughs> like he has this weird little <laughs> smile as she says, come to my planet and find out. <laughs> I'm really glad he never went back to her planet. Like, oh, yeah. Why yeah. could she not zip up that stupid uniform at the end? Like, I didn't put that in there, but seriously, everybody else wears it all the way up to your neck. No, no, no. I was delighted she wore the uniform, right? Okay. Yeah, but then wear it right. We already know you're beautiful. We've already seen everything you got, pretty much. Zip it up. Look, she was not wearing any midriffs. Like, she got shorted <laughs> on the deal. Like, <laughs> so... All right, true. But you got a whole lot of leg that we don't get from the other people usually. That is so... true. That is true. No, I was just celebrating she was in in a Starfleet uniform, yeah. which yeah, like I if this was TNG, cool. it would be another weird onesie. DS9, <laughs> it would be an asymmetrical top yeah. <laughs> with a bold <laughs> pattern. Bold Boimler wears that. Absolutely. Wait, is it Rutherford? Is my top not asymmetrical Not enough? asymmetrical enough? <laughs> yeah. I love that one. I love Grounded. It's one of my favorite episodes. It's one of my favorites, too. It's one of the only t-shirts that I bought from the third season. Because I just, mm. first of all, I really liked the t-shirt. Because it's got the, um, it's got the Phoenix and it's the mm. Bozeman Mantana poster. It's, oh, I love it. Because people look at it and they don't think anything. But if they really look, they're like, wait a minute. That date's in the future and it says 300 years. What? I'm like, yeah. Oh, I need that. It's a great t-shirt. It's the the Titmouse collection that they yeah, do one yeah. for every. Yeah. No, I try like and ignore one... them because I don't need to spend money on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either, except that I wear them all the time. So I justify it where I only buy the ones I really, really like. Yes. So yes. But you better buy them quick because some of them go faster than others. And like I really would have liked the one from um Keishan his eyes oh, open because yes. it says Keishan when he was a puppet but it's yes. on this like ugly peachy orange color that will make me look like oh, death yeah. and I'm like man I would have totally bought that one but not that color again that's another episode one of my favorites <laughs> I oh. know it's so fun every time it's funny every single time it's, it's just that funny, funny but also <laughs> super serious and respectful yeah. about the Enterprise yeah. D crew and what Starfleet mm-hmm. is and I'm like Mm-hmm. man this is a golden show i mean lower decks yeah is yeah. phenomenal i need to i need to watch more of that but that's my usual like when i have like 20 minutes and i know i need to wind down yes. and i'm like i need something positive to send me to bed like i'll watch an episode of lower decks like i'm kind of slowly always going through that series man i might do that tonight although like i'm really i'm in the i'm on i have I'm on episode seven of Strange New Worlds next. Uh, so I'm like, oh, I just want to keep going like, and finish that. Like, I might finish my rewatch of that in like a week and a half. It's too quickly. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Like, that's why I'm waiting till like closer to when it starts. I think I'm finishing my Discovery 4. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go back and I'm going to do all of Picard 3, maybe all of card again even though i just did that because i think i might want the whole picture because yes. i'm like that i think we're gonna <laughs> do the same thing all right 
I, I think I really might do that. And um, perhaps we might have to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> or text for about sure. it. Oh, I love that first season, second season uh, trash. I liked and- parts of it. I liked <laughs> yes. parts of it. There were some really amazing parts, but there were also some really not amazing parts. Let me take back trash. Like I, there's so many amazing moving moments that don't cohere together. I feel like it was three episodes longer than it needed to be. They put too much filler in to make it 10 episodes. It was a seven episode story. Well, and there's no reason. Like, why did Picard have to go back to this exact moment to make this connection with who his mom was and get over that trauma? There's no like narrative connection for me that I saw the first time. So I haven't rewatched it. So I'm looking forward to watching season one and then going to this and looking, looking the whole thing. See, and I felt like, cause I did that right before season three started. And I, I feel like I liked it more. And I feel like, I mean, I'd rewatched it after the season was done as a chunk, but I feel like now that I, I've thought it through and I've marinated, I like the fact that you watch it as a chunk. Like I kind of, there's like two to three episode chunks. Alex was telling me that when they get them as screeners, they get them like that. So he always feels like he watches them Mm. in the way that the creatives wish they could put them together. If it wasn't a 10 episode streaming thing, like it's more like three movies Mm -hmm. as opposed to 10 episodes. And I feel like Picard season two was more like two and a half movies (laughs) or two really long movies. It wasn't yeah. actually a full three. And they they padded some stuff in there that if it had been 13, they could have filled in some of that a little bit more and it would have felt better and more connected and more fleshed out. But they didn't. They just had to fill. And some of them just... And it didn't live up to the Stargazer, which was no. so good. And Penance. Um, yeah, and Penance. And, and how Rios is dealt with, it, it just hurts my heart. I love that mm-hmm. character. But... um. Yeah, you know, watching season three, that's made season two better in my mind. Yes. Because he yes. like prepared him yeah. for family. 100%. Like he had to heal him before that happened. So that's wonderful. Already makes it better. Um, yeah, I, I think some of my feelings are also related to just the cast and how they were treated in season two, like with... yeah. You know, Soji's not in it at all. She's playing this other character, which is like in the tradition of Soong's and Brent Spiner and stuff. But <laughs> yes, but yeah, yeah. I feel like the only part of the ending that I really, really liked was the Q and Picard scene. Like oh, that scene course. is glorious, and even Q like saying goodbye to everybody else, whatever. Like that part, that's worth it. Yes. I wish that we could have had a whole episode of them sitting in the solarium just having a chat i would have watched that with bated breath a thousand times yeah but it yeah and and the borg the borg storyline with gerardi was awesome yeah and until fresh. the end where i feel like it went nowhere like well, i love yeah, yeah i loved the two of them together but then like they're they're still sitting there yes no well Maybe? i i appreciate terry like there's only so much time and he had a very yeah. specific story to tell. So people complaining about not enough Rafi and Seven, I get it. Like it was set up, but that's not the story that was being told. It's not like they're ignoring that. Right. It's just not the story. Now, I wish there was a little more like performance cluing in yeah. like like Frakes and um, Certus did for years. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they could have been doing some of that going on, but um, I appreciate that this secondary board collective is still there and there's a story that can be told with it. I hope we come back to it. I hope it's like a little mini series, like they're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, doing movies and mini series now. Like, let's do that. Let's just do six episodes of one good story. I'll take it. Be fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Steal that from Star Wars. Do that, Will. Can it be the Voth? They they tried to just wipe out Earth. Yeah. So it's no longer a possibility of having the distant origin theory. Like I don't yeah, know. That's that would be that would be really Something interesting. Like, yeah. I'll hire me. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right. Let's stop recording because I yeah. do have a oh, question geez. to ask. That's okay. okay. This is a, yeah. like an amazing button. <laughs> this should be other, as long as the episode. It's a whole other episode. It's a bonus episode. It could, actually, I think I might cut this as this like a a bonus episode that we could just drop. yeah yeah because we've covered lower decks, strange new worlds, Picard. <laughs> Chris and I start on other trek. Yeah. My little sister, mm-hmm. she is like, she, you know, she hasn't watched Star Trek since we were kids, but she's not like against it, but you know, it's just not something she watches. And right. she's like, so, um, I think I'm going to check out Picard season three. Yes. I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, like dad was watching it and I walked by and suddenly I got goosebumps seeing those characters together it was like family oh i'm getting goosebumps right now saying that i was like yeah yeah um yeah (laughs) and uh so you know, it just validates that this is something special beyond yeah. us rabid people that live and breathe. Yeah. Patrick, you know? Yeah. She just walked by and saw Picard and, like, I think she saw them walking on the bridge for the first time. And, uh, yeah, I was like, all right. Yeah. This is something special. Awesome. Yeah. Well, like I told you, my dad hadn't watched any Picard oh, I was just gonna until ask about the him. beginning yeah. Yeah, of this season. And then he binged all of it straight through and he finally caught up in like episode six or seven of season three and he was just like now i have to wait he's like i don't enjoy this this is why i waited and binged it all but i caught up <laughs> because you're so excited and then we had an epic talk and it was awesome and mm. he was so convinced about it going it was still going to be the jurati board but he was pretty pretty into it too and we have a date to uh watch first contact at some point and revisit oh the Borg Queen, because he's like, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I'm like, I will watch with you and I will probably cry at the soundtrack alone. So I really want to, because yeah, I really want to do first contact end game, the last generation all in a yeah. row. Yes. You know, yes. Someday when I don't have children or any responsibility. Well, yeah. But I yes. mean, that's a whole, whole, yeah. maybe, maybe in a, over a weekend. <laughs> yeah. But, or, oh, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yes. Because then you could digest each one. That would be awesome. Maybe even Vox 
and the last generation so it's like movie length yeah. each time i agree i think that would be that's the perfect way to do it oh we should get some sort of watch party that mm. would be so fun if mm-hmm. we could ever find a weekend when all the people you'd want to do it with have three nights free at the same time which is impossible. i mean really i mean even dark frontier will be super strong because she talks about the assimilation virus kind of yeah. concept where they're playing with things mm-hmm. anyway oh uh, is this an enterprise podcast <laughs> sure is i think we have something oh. very precious to discuss oh could it possibly be some cargo some very yeah. precious cargo yes i'm trying to find a word and i my adjectives are going to be special tonight. And not a precious cargo that is a perfect mate, though. Um, no. no. Even though they're both from Creos Prime. Yes. All right. <sighs> Let's do it. Here we go.